0: I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And welcome to... Passions, Passions Podcast. Podcast! We're back for another episode. <laughs> Did you miss us? We're still sticking with this format. Two episodes. That's right. Right. nice and long. That's right. So this first
1: half of our episode today, we're going to talk about Passions episode number 12. Yes. And the second half, we'll talk about Passions episode 13. Correct.
0: Correct. I literally was like thinking in this t- <laughs> well, this is our it's, podcast I know, I, know, I was, time. like, trying yeah. to... Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay.
1: So this is the first episode in a long time that, thankfully, has not started in Paris. Ugh. I'm
0: so tired of that. Wow. Is that, it, stuff goes Paris, down. I mean, Paris is actually getting interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Paris was stuff goes down. in Gay Paris. So we start where? At the car. At right? the carnival
1: in harmony. Luis runs into Sam and Grace. Because, remember, Grace is like, well, maybe... If we go find the fortune teller, she can tell me about my past.
0: Maybe she knows more than just the future. Right. They're on their way to the fortune teller's tent that mm-hmm. still has Charity and Seeker inside. And Tabitha and Timmy inside swirling around <laughs> with all of the objects and the green clouds. It's
1: so good, man.
0: Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a
1: tornado going on in the tent. And it's ridiculous. It's great, though. It is great.
0: So they're headed
1: there. They're on their way over. They want to see what's going on. But yeah, things are going crazy in in the tent. That green light is still go- swirling around. Tabitha and Timmy are up in the air. They've got like
0: trophies going by. Yeah, whatever. All the knickknacks, knick-knacks. that she had in there. Knickknacks. And, uh, and basically, uh, you know what I think? I think basically anything that Tabitha t- has touched or has like her magic in it in a way mm-hmm. is going crazy. Is being lifted up, and I I think. It, I assume it has something to do with Seeker and Charity being in the tent because yeah. as soon as they left, Tabitha and everything else, like, fell to the ground. Right. So
1: it has something to do with them. Yeah, it must have been in some kind of reaction to them, right? Because the crystal ball at one point, like, swooshes way up to the top of the tent and then smashes onto the ground. Right. So whatever, this, this has to be, like... I don't know. Seeker is like an invasive species to
0: whatever, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, or to whatever ch- magic or, or evil charity, or, is. or charity. Because is. remember, she told Charity, "I have to prepare you for what Grace was supposed to do." So um. I wonder if Charity has like some sort of magic. Ooh, yeah. I'm not. I don't, I'm not sure. Or maybe they both do. And. Ooh, it's so and seeker cool. understands it, but charity doesn't know, and grace doesn't know either.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Ooh, I
0: like this. I don't know, but they finally leave the tent. They finally leave, and charity and Miguel Ugh. have another moment at the beverage cart. <laughs> another, <laughs>
1: Where, another moment, right? another lackluster moment. Charity from says, Miguel. "Like,
0: give me the the harmony special." And Miguel walks over out of nowhere and says. <laughs> You might want to try the orange. No one knows what's in the harmony special. It's just he's such a bad actor.
1: Yeah, this poor kid. I mean, I know people know who he is now, and he's done like movies and things. Presumably, he has taken some acting lessons between
0: now and then. Yeah, but uh, and just or simply just looked back at his own performances and realized how flat he was. Yeah, giving yeah. Giving himself some notes. Yeah, it's like it's not
1: realistic. It's just it has no energy. Yeah, you know, like some people overdo it. He's way underdoing doing it, yeah.
0: He, ha- he doesn't have enough energy for just a regular interaction on the street with a person, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. if a person walked up to you talking like that, you'd think they'd had a lobotomy.
1: <laughs> Do you think it's just, like, very attractive people are just used to everyone else around them doing the work? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. I wouldn't know. I, I would. I wouldn't know. If you're very attractive, write in and let us know. Let us know. <laughs> What's that episode in thirty, rounds? I was John just about Hamm. to
0: say, Drew. He he lives in the bubble. Yeah, the
1: handsome bubble. The handsome bubble. And he's, he's like, a
0: doctor who doesn't know how to do
1: anything. Anything. He's like constantly ordering off the menu. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Oh, sure, we can accommodate whatever you want, just because he's handsome." You know? Yeah,
0: and he puts like oh, he puts like orange juice in, not orange juice, orange Gatorade, oh. in his, like, it's like, Coco van or something yeah. like that, or something, and he's like, no, you can use, she's, and Liz is like, you can't put orange Gatorade in this, and he's like, oh, no, you can, a chef told me you can, and she's like, <laughs> they just let you do that, because you're handsome. <laughs> anyway, we're off track. Already off track. Yeah, watch 30 Rock if you haven't, it's yeah. great. Oh,
1: goodness, uh, okay. So,
0: yeah, so... Charity and Miguel have another moment. Mm-hmm. Charity and Seeker get on the bus and head back to wherever they came from. Right. And while they're on the bus, Charity's having little like flashbacks to Miguel and thinking about how great it would be if they lived in harmony. So I imagine they're going to be moving to harmony soon.
1: Something. I mean, yeah, that would make sense. And I know uh, at the little beverage cart, Miguel was like, oh, you should stop by tomorrow. You know, the carnival's still going on. Everyone knows the second day is
0: better than the first day. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Speaking of the first day, it's been going on for seven episodes. Seven long seven episodes. episodes. Remember when you said you thought that like every day of the of the week would be like <laughs> a different day? And I told Ugh. you there are no rules. There are no rules. I know.
1: Depending oh on God. what's
0: going on, they can stretch it for like We still haven't reached weeks. the end of day no, two of not, the show. We're in the middle of day two. Oh good God. Yeah, and there was another weird
1: time thing where Miguel and Whitney took Teresa back to Lopez Fitzgerald home, and then in the next scene, Miguel was back at the carnival talking with Charity. That's why I was confused because like the timeline is doesn't make any sense. But again,
0: if Gwen can make it back from can make it to and back from Paris in a day. Right, like in a few hours, really. I mean, she took the Concorde, whatever that means. <laughs> we still don't know. I, <laughs> I didn't never look it look up. It up. <laughs> I can't afford it. I don't. Know. I. I'm not going. Where am I going? Right. Where, Where am I going on the Concorde? <laughs> Especially right now. Yeah, true. Anyway, oh, um, goodness.
1: But yeah, so Miguel has taken Miguel and Whitney walk Teresa back to their family home. And Whitney is really upset with Teresa that she went back and saw that fortune teller.
0: Right. So in the last episode, Teresa went back to the fortune teller and the fortune teller told her that she would marry a crane, that she was going to be rich, Mm. that she was going to have this great life. And right after that, she sees Ethan Crane, who is her crane of choice, um, (laughs) proposing, proposing to Gwen. (laughs) I'm sorry, crane of choice.
1: It's really, it just got Lisa me. He's a
0: grain of joy <laughs> proposing to Gwen, and that really crushes her. So they take her back home, but yeah, Whitney at this point is a little upset with her and mm-hmm. says, how could you, how could you, you know how awful that fortune teller, the fortune teller, yeah. you know how awful that fortune teller is and the horrible things that she said to me. And Teresa basically is like, I'm sorry, you were right. You know, she she was wrong, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she, Whitney forgives her. Yeah, Whitney forgives her, and then
1: Miguel's like, you know what, let's go get dinner or lunch or whatever at the, what was it, the
0: Lobster Shack? The Lobster Shack. This town <laughs> only has restaurants with, insert food name here, insert structure, structure name here, <laughs> Burger, Burger Hut, Hut Lobster, Lobster Shack. Shack. What's next? Taco shanty. <laughs> it is almost Cinco de Mayo. It isn't today the fifth? No, tomorrow. No, today's the fourth. It's Cinco de Cuatro. It's Cinco de Cuatro. <laughs> hey. Yeah, it's cinco
1: de cuatro. Um, yeah, so, Louis. Uh, not Luis. Uh, Miguel offers to take the girls out, and they say no. He's just trying to cheer up his sister, but I think she just kind of need, needs a minute to be sad, have a little pity party. Yeah. So, Louis. Oh, my God, I keep calling him Luis. Miguel. Miguel and Whitney end up leaving, and Teresa goes into her room. And delivers a very long Soliloquy. It's a soliloquy. Soliloquy, You're right. There's no one else. So
0: she takes down... (laughs) First of all, she goes into her room. She's, like, looking around. She's very sad, very downtrodden, right? And I noticed that she has giant pictures of Ethan Crane posted everywhere. Eight by 11 pictures of Ethan Crane. Like, it's 1999 and she had to go to Kinko's to get that done. (laughs) She had to pick, if she did get those out of magazines, as she said she did, she had to go, she had to cut it out of a magazine and then take it to a place to have it blown up to, like, poster size. These pictures were huge. Also, some of them had Gwen in them. And Gwen was crossed out with marker. She's a lunatic. She's nuts. <laughs> she's a, she was uh look she was picking pictures up,
1: crumpling them up, throwing down, picking other ones up, and then staring at them and professing her undying yeah, love she, so to she, Ethan.
0: She picked up the one picture, She pulled the one off the wall, and she's crying over the picture, delivering this soliloquy. She says, "Ethan, you were supposed to marry me, Ethan," while Louise looks on. In horror.
1: In horror. <laughs> and then he comes in and I was expecting him to like lay into Teresa. Luis gave her the sweetest pep talk. Yeah, you don't kick
0: a person while well they're down.
1: I know, but Luis has kind of had like a hard exterior. Yeah. You know, and everything that he's kind of he's he's been a little rough, you know, with it with Teresa and even with the family and everything, yeah. you know. So I was not expecting him to be that sweet and he really I was really touched. He tries to talk some sense into her, but he's such a, a good brother. And, like, at the end, he says something like, uh, you know, you don't need mama's makeup and you don't need Ethan Crane to be a princess. He's not worthy of you.
0: Yeah. So sweet. He says, you've always been a princess to me. Aww. Yeah. Luis is a good guy. Yeah. Luis, Luis is a good guy. Yeah. And, but, which is obvious because, the, of course, the Cranes are terrible. Yeah. Oh, the rich people are always terrible. The rich people. He in has, a, you know, he terrible. has a good reason to hate the Cranes. I don't think he has a good reason to hate Ethan because Ethan hasn't been there. He doesn't know him, mm-hmm. you know. But the the Cranes overall, in general. Have not been great.
1: Right, and it's fair to make the assumption that why would this other crane of choice uh, be anything other than (laughs) terrible? I mean, and don't forget, Luis's father and this extra brother we know nothing about disappeared on their way to work at Crane Industries, and he did his own personal investigation and found nothing. Right. So, the cranes are, at the very least, quite suspicious. Right. At the very most, murderers. Murderers. (laughs) Murderers. Murderers. Stone cold murderers.
0: (laughs) So... Actually, since let's we're talk talking about the, about the crane, yeah. let's talk about Ivy. So yeah. Ivy, we see Ivy at the carnival and she talks to Pilar, Pilar's at um little food uh, booth. Uh, yeah, she's selling her own homemade food. Uh, and Ivy says to Pilar, "Oh, your homemade food must make so much money for the for the school, for this fair." And she says, "Have you seen my husband?" And Pilar says, mm. "No, I haven't I haven't seen him around here anywhere." And Ivy says, well, he, he should be here soon because we have to give our annual gift to the school, the Crane Foundation annual gift to the school. Then she looks over and she says, oh, there's his car. I see his car. So she goes over to his car, which is a stretch limousine that with you, completely tinted windows. And you already know how we feel about that. You should know if you've listened <laughs> how we feel about limousines. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, so we go into the limousine and we see Julian Crane making out with, some, with tart. some woman who works for, we. all we know is that she works for him and that her name is Suzanne, but they don't flesh out anything else and he's making out with her. He's all over her. It's disgusting. It is absolutely horrific. He and makes her call him Mr. Crane. Crane. What <laughs> fucked up nasty fantasy does he
0: have going <laughs> she, on? She says... She says, "Oh, Julian." He says, "Oh, dear, darling, do not call me Julian." If you and basically his rationale is if you get used to calling me Julian when Mrs. Crane isn't around, then you might slip up when she is around and mm. call me Julian. But it's it's just gross. It's I've so never nasty. Heard, I've never heard of such a thing. When you even when you're having an unaf- having an affair, I think there has to be some level of respect. I life. mean, it just
1: goes to show how much he desires to be an authority you know he Mm. just has to be elevated above everyone around him even the woman that he's you know making out with probably sleeping with you know what i mean it's just definitely sleeping definitely definitely sleeping with just any he he in order for him to feel good about himself that thing about oh uh, i don't want you to slip up in front of my wife that's just an excuse I really think that's just an excuse. He's just disgusting. He
0: is. Well, and then, uh, what's her name? Suzanne, I think. His mistress, Suzanne? I think so. She says to him, oh, Julian, I would do, Julian, sorry, Mr. Crane, Mm. I would do anything to make you happy. Why would you stay in a marriage that you're not happy in? And he says to her, "Divorce is divorce is not an option." Right. He doesn't get in any get into any detail. but he's very clear about it. Divorce right. is not an option, and it doesn't. And it seems like divorce is not an option, not by his choice. Right.
1: Remember, I don't remember which episode it was, but Ivy at one point reveals that there's some kind of arrangement between the two of them, between Julian and herself. So. It must have. Something it must to do be with related that. to that. Yeah, we just yeah. don't know the details. So um, that's all
0: the Julian and Ivy
1: stuff. It I was think. gross. I just again, I have to talk about how nasty he is. I know we. I'm I just ugh. the way he was kissing her was disgusting. It the made my skin crawl. Face was the sound. It sounded like someone chewing like noodles. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's <laughs> <So> like <laughs> you're like chewing noodles. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, if you're, like, eating mac and cheese or lasagna or something? You know that sound that you can hear inside of your own head when you're chewing it?
0: No! That's what
1: his kissing sounded like. What do you mean, no?
0: I've never listened to myself eating noodles. Well, it sounds like
1: Julian making out with... What's her
0: name? Suzanne. I I have... Noodles. You know what? I'm making spaghetti today, so I will, you know, I'll test this theory out. (laughs) I don't know. I also don't... I don't think I chew, though. I kind of, like...
1: <laughs> Watching you try to recreate the sound of noodle eating with an empty mouth.
0: It's more like it's more like i smash it with my tongue up to the middle of mine my...
1: You chew noodles.
0: You might I just don't think I chew
1: noodles. You s- Oh please. You gum noodles to death so you can swallow them. No, you chew them. <laughs> What I chew noodles because I'm Italian. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> okay. Oh goodness, we we We're are off. far I off love the path. It. It's
0: hilarious. It's <laughs> great content. Anyway, so we've done Julian and Ivy. There's no more of them. Oh, let's talk about Ethan and Gwen. Right.
1: This proposal start that we got at the end of the previous episode, Ethan. Got down one knee, asked Gwen to marry him. There two was times. Two times. There was a crowd. Teresa screamed. They didn't know it was Teresa, so they chase after the this uh, sound, trying to see if there's a woman in duress who needs their help. Right. They end up at a park.
0: Where Ethan proposes to proposes again, time. And Gwen says, nah. In this episode, she turns him down. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, no, she thank you. She turns him down, even though she has been begging him. And you would think she wouldn't have so much pride. Right? She has no shame in bringing it up constantly. I'm not saying saying she's wrong in turning him down. Mm -hmm. So basically, her reason for turning down his proposal is that she knows that it didn't necessarily come from his heart. It's because they've been having this conversation and Sheridan kind of pressured him into it and she just doesn't feel like he wanted to propose. He just decided to because he had been kind of pushed into it and she wants it to be more organic, which is Totally understand. Completely fair. I think Gwen is maybe smarter
1: than I have given her credit for because she really surmises all of this information on her own. Uh, she kind of has to pull teeth to get the answers from him, you know? Because she, she says, like, I love you, I want to marry you, but I cannot accept this proposal because it's disingenuine.
0: Yeah. So, again, I will say, I think she is correct mm-hmm. is the same thing I probably... I, I don't know that I would do it. Or, I don't know exactly what I would do in the, this exact situation but I get it however she has been hounding him for a day well uh, presumably days and mm-hmm. weeks and months we've at least seen it for hours right well, she, while they're talking she does say why
1: didn't you ask me to marry you yesterday last week last year So we know that she's been expecting a proposal for well over a year at this point.
0: Yeah, so, but I'm sure she's, again, like we've been saying, they're having this conversation like every day. So every day Mm -hmm. she's pressuring him into it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: No matter what, it's going to be, there's a little bit of, I have pressured you into this. Right. I I would think. So uh, to me, and also, girl, you got what you wanted. You have been bothering this man about this for God knows how long. Take your win. Take the win. Take the win. Yeah. it's She got what she
1: wanted, but not the way she wanted to get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of, it's a, the, the logic there is a it, little. It just yeah.
0: doesn't seem correct to me. I could see if she hadn't been pressuring him for years or however long they, she'd been pressuring him and then someone else pressured him into it and she declined. But she has been bringing this up mm-hmm. every 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. In between makeout sessions. Yeah. <sighs> I don't, I don't care. I, I don't super care, don't super but care. it's the
1: principle of the thing. Yeah. I think the, probably what will become an important detail is that Gwen does ask him not to talk about it with anyone. She doesn't want it getting back to his parents or her family uh, because they wouldn't understand and they don't want to create drama.
0: Yeah, she also says in, like, the soap opera aside to herself that I hope I'm not making the biggest mistake of my life, which I'm sure she is. Certainly. Yeah. She's because, not going to marry Ethan Crane. Because in about, I want to say... 45 to 50 episodes, <laughs> Teresa's gonna swoop in here. Yeah, oh, Teresa's well on her way in. Yeah, about 45 to 50 episodes, I think she's really gonna be well-situated mm-hmm. in Ethan's life. Mm-hmm. agreed. Let's see. Oh, we've talked about everybody except Sheridan, I Yes, think. I was holding Sheridan for the, we gotta for talk the about end. We got For the end, because... Um, well, we have to talk about Tabitha, too. We haven't talked about Tabitha. Oh! Oh, how did
1: we skip Tabitha?
0: Okay, let's finish to the carnival,
1: and then we'll go to Paris. And then
0: go to Paris, yeah. So Seeker and Cherry right. leave the tent. Everything, Tabitha, Timmy, and all of their things fall to the ground. Tabitha is in quite the hurry to get the
1: fuck out of yeah, there. Yeah, she's like, we gotta go. We don't need to be here anymore. Let's
0: get out. And she's carrying Timmy, and he says, but Tabitha, you can't leave the tent. What about the tent? Tabitha does magic. Yeah, they go it out of the awesome. tent. awesome. And then Tabitha tell them about it. What's Tabitha she
1: like shakes her little fingers at the tent, and it boom disappears. She doesn't like whisper a spell. There's no like magic wand involved. It's just she's like boom, and then it's gone. And then Grace and, then Grace and Sam walk up, and Grace is like, "I could have sworn there was a tent right here. <laughs> I mean, it disappeared as they were like trying to walk into it, basically." I could have sworn there was a tent right I could here. it be like, like yeah, me, there was. You just saw it. It'd be like me opening the refrigerator. To get food and then realizing that it's actually my my bathroom cabinet. Like yeah. my medicine cabinet. I could have like, sworn
0: this was the refrigerator. Oh, I could have sworn. No, it'd be like you opening the refrigerator to get something out and then the refrigerator disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn there was a refrigerator right here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was. It made me really laugh. I yeah. I loved Tabitha doing magic because paranormal things are cool and like magic is sweet.
0: Yeah, and I mean,
1: but it, Grace's reaction was
0: funny. Yeah, it it gives <laughs> us it gives us something fun to look forward to. Some more magic stuff. Yeah. So that's everything in Harmony. We're gonna move
1: yeah. into Paris. Let's do it. All right. So we are in Paris in Jean Luc's country home with him and Sheridan they're being all lovey-dovey. Mimi is outside ready to get into some shit and there's one of the mysterious man's henchmen
0: yeah, is like outside a hitman.
1: Is <laughs> he's outside he's crafting an absurd bomb with his cartoon bomb. His cartoon bomb. He had
0: 12 sticks of dynamite at least oh, so wrapped funny. in a rope with a timer. It looked like two like a
1: white timer and a black, and black timer, timer it was like yeah. two different kitchen colored timers. Yeah. Some twine.
0: Yeah, and he says it's going to really kill everybody inside. (laughs) Well, no and he he muses again about how beautiful Sheridan is and what a shame it is that she has to die, but she has to die. No one will survive this explosion. Yep, he's very clear about that. He's very sure about it. Also, his French accent is worse than the one you just did. Really? Yeah. That's not a compliment to me. Sorry. (laughs) But I'm going to pretend it was. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. Your French accent is better than his. (laughs) That makes it sound worse. (laughs) Well, I don't know how to make you happy. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm pleased. Okay, so they're inside. Mimi and the henchman is outside. But then uh, Sheridan and, and... John Luke are in bed. He gets up to go get some champagne or wine or something. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe he heard a noise and he went to investigate. But... Yeah, well, and when he comes back, that's what I thought too at first, but when he comes back, he has the bottle. So maybe he went to investigate and then came oh. back with a bottle of champagne. I did not see it. Oh, well, he had a bottle in his hand, which is why I just deduced Yeah, he, I'm he, sure you're right. That that's why he got up, but I don't know why he got up. Anyway, he sense. got up, and as he's headed back to the bedroom, and let's remember, this country home is not a mansion. It's a cottage. Mm-hmm. So he's going back to this bedroom. He's in the room just before the bedroom. He's outside of the bedroom door. He turns around and who's there? Me. me, me. me.
1: And while he's while they're about to have this encounter, Sheridan finds like a hidden photo album in the bedroom. A poorly hidden photo album. <laughs> yeah, it was like half under like the dressing table. It was or under
0: whatever. the. It was under the bed. Oh, it was under the bed. Yeah, it was. It was. She got up. She put on her robe. And then she walked around, and it was at the foot of the bed, and it was poking out from the bottom of the foot of the bed. Jean-Luc is an idiot. Yeah. And so he she opens it up, and the very first picture is of Jean-Luc and Mimi. Right. So she's already kind of broken by that, I think. Mm-hmm. It, she. It, it definitely takes the wind out of her sails. For, for sure. sure. Well, then... Jean-Luc and Mimi are having, like, an argument outside of this door. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, Jean-Luc does not know that Sheridan has found this photo album. She's on her way out of the bedroom. But here's the thing. She didn't hear them arguing. How? Yeah, they were standing right outside of I the mean, door. I mean, not three feet away from the bedroom door. And, honestly, if somebody was right outside of this room right now, just talking like we're talking, I would hear them. Oh,
1: I can hear the ice cream truck seven stories down and right now. And you
0: probably can too. Yeah, you probably can hear. Because it. we're not professionals.
1: No. We're... <laughs> Constantly. That's just what I hear all summer long.
0: So, <sighs> um yeah, he she didn't hear and because they have a long conversation bef- before Sheridan ever comes out right. of the room. Yeah, Jean-Luc
1: tells me me kind of what he's been telling Sheridan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love you everything is with Sheridan isn't real i'm using her for her clout i'm using her for the family name and for the money like it's you that i want mhm
0: just bullshit 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 sheridan actually comes out and is kind of hiding in a little nook mm-hmm. and can hear everything he's saying mhm and it she stands there for quite some time she wants to get all the information
1: i under i, I at first i was like why isn't she confronting them and then i was like you know what she wants to hear it all for herself because then she and then she peeks her head around the corner and sees them kissing, which I think yeah. kind of seals the deal. Yeah, you know, because if if she had gone in right away and started
0: he yelling may have and been screaming, he might have been able to out wiggle
1: of out of it. But she really she she gave him all the rope he needed to hang himself. Yeah,
0: you know? so he makes starts making out passionately with Mimi, Ugh. Um, but Mimi's not buying it either. Honestly,
1: no, Mimi's not buying it either.
0: And um, oh, he says to her. Oh you we we we're going to get married you and I are going to get married at the little country church you like that wouldn't you wouldn't you like that and then Sheridan comes out and says is that the little country church you told me we were going to get married at
1: yeah Ooh, girl. and look
0: my respect for Sheridan has gone up
1: she finally did something she finally did she something she finally did something yeah she finally did
0: something for herself and stood up to this idiot so she tells him well he turns around and tells her in front of me me well, this woman's a psycho, <laughs> right? Yeah, this, I just had to say whatever I could to placate her because she's she's crazy. She came here to kill you. I thought she's going to kill you, so I had to say anything I could to get her to leave. I'm just I only said those things to get her to leave.
1: He's such a moron. The yeah. fact that he has led Sheridan on for this long, yeah, just me, say me, I'm for sorry. Long, just, just how? I mean, what can you say? Just
0: what can you say, really? I, I'm caught. You got me. You got me. Honestly, I I've, I've been caught a couple of times not like cheating or anything, but I've been caught doing things that I maybe shouldn't have been doing. And once I'm really caught, you got me. Like yeah. I, what am I supposed to yeah. I look more like an idiot if and wor- I look worse mm-hmm. if I continue down this road of
1: yeah. deception. Right? That and there's no way you can get out of it. Yeah. So, I'm glad Sheridan stood up for this ass hat uh <laughs> to this ass hat.
0: She and slaps him. She slaps him. It's a she weak does slap him. It is,
1: but you know, she mustered what strength she had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> She's so frail. She is poor thing. Um, and she says, "You know, you're not the first man who's done this to me." And how did I miss the signs? How did I miss the signs. I do feel bad for Sheridan. I do. Yeah. <sighs> I mean,
0: like like we have said before, they set you. They're setting you up the entire time to feel bad for Sheridan. Mm-hmm. There, I, don't feel, I don't feel nearly as bad for Sheridan as I probably should feel for Sheridan mm-hmm. because of how much crap they set up for her. She is a weak
1: character, not in like that she as a person is weak, although we have, some, have seen some tendencies towards that, but she is not developed. There's no depth right. to her character. She's a
0: right now. She's a weak character mm-hmm. as in she's written weakly and her character she is kind of weak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, there's there's not a lot of inner strength that we've seen from her except in this moment. So I'm really hoping that this is like this is going to continue. Yeah. I hope we're moving in a positive direction because I would like to like Sheridan.
0: I think she's going to, I think she's going to grow some strength mm-hmm. and become a more likable character. I hope so. I think she's going to become more of a heroine. All right, let's do it. I. That's what I, that, you know what, I'm just going to hold out hope for her. Same. All right. Same, same, so same. The same. episode ends with the, the hitman outside with his bomb again saying <laughs> nobody's going to survive this explosion. Nice French accent. That was I was about to <laughs> do it. I was about, no one will survive this, this explosion. That's good. <laughs> no, it wasn't. no one will survive this explosion. Explosion.
1: <laughs> I think we're. I think the explosion. 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 <laughs> Is that
0: uh, it? That's it, man. They. They. He's gonna blow up the cabin. He's gonna blow up the cabin and right. everybody in it. Yeah. And hopefully, no, not. people. they're will not die. gonna kill Sheridan. No, they're definitely not gonna kill Sheridan. But Mimi and Jean-Luc, who cares? Yeah. Sheridan's a crane. Sheridan's a crane. She's a main character. Jean-Luc really, obviously, is not. No. He's extraneous at best. Yeah, he's just here to show us how bad of a judge of character Sheridan is. Right. Yep. All right. Okay. So, with that. All right. Hey, everybody. We're back. Welcome back from the break. Hope you enjoyed that ad for Anchor.
1: <laughs> Apparently, we're still advertising.
0: Yeah, we're, for anchor, for anchor. Anyway, for anchor. Um, All right. So we are getting into episode thirteen. Episode thirteen of Passions. Episode thirteen mm-hmm. of Passions, which starts. With Teresa and Louise at the cannery. All right. Louise is dropping his little sister off for her first uh, day at the New England Cannery Company. Yeah, and it seems she's working like a night shift because she says that she's probably going to be able to take a break for lunch around midnight because he made her sandwich, right? Right. Luis Louise is great. Aw.
1: Well, remember, Louise said this was like the last job available over the summer, so, even though it's a late shift, it's the last thing she can do since she burnt down and
0: got fired from the Burger Hut. Right. And in the lobby, they see a picture of Julian Crane. And so we learn that the Cranes own the cannery. Mm-hmm. Ah. And mm-hmm. I have already predicted a couple of episodes ago when he said she was going to have to work at the cannery that she was going to spill fish guts on Ethan Crane. Oh, and they have set this up beautifully Beautiful. so let's let's talk about how it happens yeah let's just talk about the cannery for a little bit let's, yeah let's, <laughs> let's spend some time here let's spend some time at the, the let's crane get into, can, what's it
1: called let's get into the guts of the cannery yeah. fish cannery <laughs> the fish.
0: it's called the um,
1: New, New England, England cannery company yeah
0: mm-hmm. so they're at the cannery and um, the foreman of the cannery comes out says hey Louise, is this your sister and he says yeah it's my sister Teresa And the foreman kind of welcomes Teresa, and she says, well, what job am I going to be doing? He says, everyone starts cleaning fish. Right.
1: And he takes her to meet her, like, table partner or whatever, who, I don't, I didn't catch her name, so I've just called her the fish lady. They might not have named the character. I, I named her Marge in my head. Oh, Marge the fish lady. Yeah, I don't know what her real name is. Yeah. So they introduced her to oh, she, I might have missed the name because these costumes were so funny that when they came we onto laughing. the screen, I laughed for like a solid minute. Yeah, they have. <laughs> she's yellow. Wearing, yeah, yellow like kind of caps, but that looks like it's made out of um, like
0: raincoat material. Yeah, it's a raincoat. It's a it's a raincoat, but cap. for your hat. Yeah, it's a rain cap. A rain cap. Rain-ca- yeah. Oh. It is. That it's goes great. with those raincoats. It's so funny,
1: and then she's got like. Uh, some plaid, and then there's a smock involved, yeah, and some like, like dishwashing gloves, and gl- goggles. Goggles, but so, like science it, lab and, goggles. And everything
0: is completely oversized. Yeah, it's so just she's like, like
1: swimming in it. Oh, very large. Teresa. These, yeah, so these costumes are great. And she's introduced to maybe Marge, the fish lady. Everyone starts at the fish cleaning station, but as these two women are talking, the fish lady is like, oh, yeah, I've been working at this job for 18 years, which means she's been at the fish cleaning station yeah. for 18 years. I
0: feel, I think she either chooses to do that specific job, or maybe she's like a floater. Like, she's uh, been there for 18 years, so she knows how to do everything, so mm-hmm. when there's a need, that's where she is. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to make it make sense. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I, She probably has just been doing that particular job for 18 years. I just years. would feel bad. There's no room for an advancement,
1: and in 18 years, you just clean fish, just chop off their heads and gut them. Yep. Mm. Delicious. Yeah. yeah, so the the lady is pretty nice. Um she's given Teresa tips about how to get that fish smell out of her, out of her life. And she's like, "Oh yeah, lemon juice, tomato juice works." I wear a lot of par- perf I wear a lot of perfume. I wear a lot of perfume, but over time, you know, the smell kind of seeps into your skin.
0: I had 12 cats follow me home one time. <laughs> Which is funny because in an earlier episode, Teresa says that to uh, Whitney, right? She's yeah. like, cats are going to follow me home. I and mean, we kind of laughed at it because it's such a ridiculous thing no. to say.
1: It's still a ridiculous thing to say, but But apparently it's a real it.
0: thing in Harmony. Yeah. It's, it's a, a real th- problem, so, these stray cats. These stray fish cats. I don't know. Cats I'm not saying fish. anything. fish. Fish a little. Carol Baskin. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Anyway. Do you like the
1: smell of fish? Oh, yeah. So these two ladies are talking, and they really get into... They make some assumptions. The fish lady makes some assumptions. Teresa misleads her. And basically, they get into a conversation where the fish lady believes that Teresa used to be dating someone named Ethan, but that they broke up because he found another woman.
0: Yeah, he that he broke up with her and that and he is now engaged to someone else. Right. Which is not the case. It's not at all what has happened. Ethan does not know you as anyone except a lunatic who's thrown three different substances on him at this point. Soon to be a fourth. I'm sure of it. I hope so. Oh, it's coming.
1: Are you kidding? They do What have... if
0: it falls on Gwen, though? Ooh.
1: Yeah. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Fish That's guts. what I started to think. Ooh. So We better tell them what we're talking about. Yeah, we should tell them what we're talking about.
1: So um, the fish lady offers to show Teresa around the plant while they're on a break. And so they're walking around, and she shows a bucket of fish heads and guts that are just hanging Hanging. from the ceiling.
0: Hanging from the ceiling. Teresa says, what's in that? And the lady says, oh, that's just fish guts and heads. Why are they there? Why are they hanging... From the ceiling. From the ceiling. And then they make a point to be like, oh, and that's the release button over there.
1: Why are they hanging from the to ceiling? Where? Release Why is there a release where? button? Why would you release fish heads and guts from <laughs> from a ceiling? And like we're in um And it's like a carry style yeah, bucket. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a carry style bucket and I and we're in like a factory, so it's like I don't know. Forty feet in the air, yeah. like just dangling. Why would you want to release that from the ceiling? Why yeah. wouldn't? Why would there be a release button and not like a lower button? You gotta lower that bucket down. No, it's just a
0: release. Why? And I bet you that it, the like, it tips the bucket right, like oh, release for tip. sure. It's not even like it fall. The bucket co- falls down or anything. No, it just the contents just slip on out. Yeah, or maybe the
1: bottom opens up. That would be better. Yeah, almost like a tractor, like a John Deere. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Like mm-hmm. I, like the claw thing, yeah. which just releases and out comes the nasty Outcomes stuff. the nasty
0: stuff. Yeah, so why do, why do we think that Ethan might be covered in fish guts soon? Well, let's go back to the Crane Mansion to find out. Mm. So we're at the Crane Mansion. Julian, uh, Ivy, Ethan, and Gwen have yes. just gotten home from the carnival at the Crane Mansion. Julian sits down at the desk, starts talking kind of shop with Ethan and says, I need you to go to the cannery tomorrow to check out the new processing unit. Ethan says, well, I'll go tonight. Yeah, I got plans tomorrow. So uh, I'm going to go tonight. I'm just going to pop up tonight. Yeah. And And Gwen's like. I'm going to go with you. I've never seen the cannery before. I'll go with you. Because she just can't have him out of her sight. Right. Well, she doesn't trust him. She she That's refuses just... to let him out of her sight. Yeah, here's the thing. To the point that she'll go to this disgusting cannery.
1: Yeah. Gwen is upset that Ethan has never proposed. She's been asking him to propose, Now that, now we know, for at least a year. Basically on the daily. And Ethan's like, you know, there's some insecurities going on here. And it's true. Mm-hmm. This girl flew to Paris and back in a day. Because she couldn't trust, she didn't trust Ethan alone. She's following him to this cannery. She doesn't need to be there. She's like with him twenty four seven. Yeah.
0: How can you miss someone if they're always around? Yeah. So they go back. They go to the cannery, and then the foreman meets them in the lobby and says, "Oh, we weren't expecting anyone to come until tomorrow." Mm. Ethan says, "Well, we're here now to check things out, and you know, you can stop calling me Mister Crane. I'm not my father." And the foreman seems to be kind of relieved by that. He's like, "Okay, yeah. this is a cool guy. Yeah, he's yeah. not so bad." Yo <laughs> yo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: gonna say that really started moving into like goofy territory yeah. wasn't sure i wasn't sure why chuck the foreman sounded like goofy but it's the you know voice i can i'll do.
0: go with it anyway all voices leap all roads lead to goofy for me
1: <laughs> oh no
0: um so oh. so they're at the cannery taking a tour mm-hmm. and Teresa is going on and on about this man to this woman who happens to be in the background just walking yeah. around. Yeah,
1: you can see him and Gwen in the background shot while this, while Fish Lady and Teresa are talking. Yeah.
0: So not much actually happens in this episode in the way of Ethan, Gwen, and Teresa besides this setup.
1: Yeah, it's just anticipatory yeah. more than anything else. Although Teresa does have that weird <gasps> fantasy. Like yeah. the radio starts playing a song. The Fish Lady is like, oh, I hope you don't mind. I love listening to the radio. And Teresa's like, oh my God, I love this song. She doesn't talk like that. She's like, I love this song. That's great. And then we go into Her, com- it the ex- mind of teresa it's like a which is empty it's like a black box theater <laughs> with a couple candelabras and smoke and that's it that's teresa's mind
0: well it's like that moment in um actually two things but in west side story when in the movie yeah. where they see each other in the room at the da 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 mambo so <laughs> And everything else fades away, except yeah. she's having the moment alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like in Pride and Prejudice, the movie with Keira Knightley. Oh, it's so good. The dancing the, sequence. they're dancing and everything else fades away and it's just them and it's black and right. it's just them. And it's beautiful in that moment because they're having that moment T- together. Together.
1: Right. That's what makes it beautiful. Teresa alone having this fantasy. It's sad. I it, want to like Teresa, but it's sad. It's psychotic. Though no, she's yeah, I don't know. So in it, she she is dressed in a gown, and Ethan's in a tux, and they're dancing around to this country ish song. It's, it's a
0: country western song. It's a country song. I've never, I don't know. I've never heard it before. But it, I mean, it's a country style. It had a song. twang. Yeah, yeah. And he says, "You're like a leaf in the wind." Is that what he says? <laughs> <laughs>
1: If you ever wanted to hear Goofy sing a country song. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no!
0: You're Long In the wind, no, it's, it's In a world where nothing even matters. Oh, oh my god. In a world where nothing really matters, you you are everything to me.
1: So Ethan, I'm not doing this. So (laughs) Ethan, in the fantasy, looks at Teresa and tells her, you're the most beautiful and exciting woman I have ever met. Will you marry me? And then we snap out of it. Snap out of it. we are snap out of it. Because uh, the fish lady's like, oh, my God, Chuck is here. He's giving a tour to some big shots. Yeah. And they come up directly and behind Teresa, like looming over her. Well, she must
0: be tiny. And the the foreman, his name is Chuck. Chuck the foreman, yeah. He says to Ethan, he says, and this is our fish cleaning part, Ethan. And then Teresa gets this look in her eye like, oh, my God, he's here. And he's going to see me in yet another ridiculous outfit. Yep. And. <laughs> Yeah. And that's a, that's like I said,
1: that's the setup, right? Yeah. Like we don't actually get to see the outcome, but we know what it's gonna be. Although it would
0: be great if they dumped it on Gwen. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Uh, we'll see. We'll I don't see know. where I, I feel folks. like it's gotta be Ethan. It also might be Roy and then she gets fired. <laughs> Roy oh, no, Roy from
1: the Burger Hut? Oh, no, oh sorry, not Roy. <laughs>
0: what if Roy showed up
1: from the Burger <laughs> Hut he's like got a vendetta? And so he just shows up to be like to get to covered in Ch- fish to, to tell Chuck that he made a huge mistake and then, and then Teresa
0: just, like, drops a bucket of fish heads I on him. I didn't mean Roy. <laughs> Although, I guess she would get fired if she dropped fish guts on anyone. It's their fault for having a bucket of
1: fish guts it was suspended Roy's- in midair. It was Roy's fault for... Having a bucket of barbecue sauce and an untended open flame. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. Yeah, every it, you know what I on Teresa's side. I am too. I yeah. She's a lunatic, but I, I she's a lovable lunatic. I like her.
1: Tabitha told us that she's going to marry a crane. So yeah, as
0: insane as this dream seems, it also sounds like it's and she kind of says the ha- She she kind of says she gets her dream. Tabitha did. She kind of tell she does. Although she doesn't tell her which crane she's going to marry, she mm. does also kind of tell her. You'll get what you want. It's just going to hurt a lot for. of people yeah. in the process. Yeah. What if she doesn't marry Ethan? What if she ends up with Julian? I don't I don't want to think about that.
1: <laughs> Do we know of any other male cranes? Alistair. Oh, well, she can't end up with Alistair. <laughs> he, he's the, <laughs> haven't met he's him the yet. oldest crane. He's Julian's dad. He's like an octogenarian and Teresa's like 15.
0: You've never had like... Uh, Seen like an older Distinguished gentleman And thought I could watch him die Oh Oh my god You know what I mean I could marry him And watch him die Oh
1: my god No I've never had that thought
0: Enjoy our Seven to eight years together No Oh (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh
0: Okay Although I will say
1: Like older gentlemen I am identifying with like the parents, like, the, I'm, like, looking at the dads in this show, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. they're doing it for me. And then, like, the heartthrobs are, look like children Well, we're at
0: that age, I was thinking that, too, when I watched Never Have I Ever, which mm-hmm. is the new Mindy Kaling show, and everybody should watch it, it's a little Netflix, it's amazing. I haven't seen it yet. A year, we're gonna watch it, and you're gonna love it. Okay. But the, the dad in the show, I was like, mm, hey, you know? <laughs> but, the, I mean, his daughter's 15, I could very easily have a daughter that's 15. Yeah, I mean, you would have had a young pregnancy. I would have had to have her 16, early but pregnancy. I, you know, but people yeah, you have could. children that young, yeah. you know? So, yeah, I'm identifying with the fathers now. Yeah. And the and the parents in general in shows like oh, that. Oh, yeah, and All their, like that. their
1: problems and the things that they're worried about are things that I'm worried about. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, and the kids your, yeah, your kids like, are ungrateful. Yeah, your kids suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Flashback to, you know, high school me watching the O.C. being like, oh my god, these are the worst, meanest parents
0: ever. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. Just, yeah. what a difference 15 years will make. What a difference 15 years will make. Sounds just like the song from, uh, Fashions. Yeah. <laughs> no, I meant, like, it kind of sounded like the flashback song.
0: Oh, oh, the country one? Oh, I guess it didn't sound like it at all. Nope, nope. All right, so... So let's bit. let's go back to Ivy and Julian since we're talking about cranes. Yeah. Because this was really interesting. Oh, yeah. This is all very interesting. Mm-hmm. When they come back from the carnival, then he tells Julian tells Ethan he needs to check the cannery so Ethan and Gwen leave.
1: Yep. Oh, it's so cute. They were talking about how the millennium will be next year. Yeah. And all it's of It's so the this. new
0: millennium and you're the next generation. Yeah. Oh, that was 20 years ago. I know. I was just like, oh, the millennium. Y2K. We thought the world was going to end 20 years ago. We were 20 years yeah. too soon. Yeah, it's ending now. 2020. Pandemic 2020. Yep.
1: Anyway. Also, yeah. have you heard about these murder hornets? Yeah. What the? I saw so many articles and I just didn't want to believe it. And I finally read one and I guess now we have murder hornets. <laughs> Think they're between one and two inches long, and they ki- they've killed up to fifty people a year in other countries. Thank and, and God are an staying in the house right now. They're invasive species, and apparently they decapitate bees as if we don't already have enough problems. Because there's not a lot. Like, we need bees. A bees. Are de- well, and bees are have been on the decline yeah. for years. Oh, don't get me started. Oh no. Let's oh. let let's just talk about this fake show. Oh. So yeah, I need a little. Fun.
0: Ivy and Julian are talking after Ethan leaves, and. Oh yeah, Suzanne, that woman that
1: he was in the limo making out with, comes in and kind of makes eyes at him and he kind of makes eyes at her and then he makes some
0: like flimsy excuse about how he needs to go to his room. Right. And so, Suzanne, it turns out, we knew she worked for them, just didn't know in what capacity. Mm. She's a maid at the Crane Mansion. Right. Right? So, yeah, so he makes an excuse about how he has to go to bed and... And he asks if Suzanne will bring, like, a decanter of
1: whiskey up to the room. Right. And so he leaves. She goes to get the decanter. And then Ivy stops Suzanne and is like, oh, I need to talk to you about your lipstick. And then says, I don't like it when staff wears too much makeup in the house and
0: makes her wipe it off. Right. And apparently, like, that is a real rule because she Suzanne was... Saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Crane. I forgot. I went out earlier and just forgot to wipe it off." Yeah. And then, so that's actually a real rule, which is weird to me.
1: Well, it's cl- well they've said in the show that um, Julian has been unfaithful to Ivy, and so I think this is Ivy's way of trying to control the situation and make the staff as unappealing to her husband as possible, mm-hmm. which is gross because they're not the problem. He's, He's the predator the in the situation. He is older. He has all of the power. He has all of the authority. He pays these women. And presumably hires them. He has hiring and firing power. He is a predator. Yeah. Well, in, in
0: 1999, they didn't see it that way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she's talking to Suzanne. She, Ivy starts to talk to Suzanne and says about the lipstick, makes her wipe it off. And once Suzanne leaves with the decanter, she compares Suzanne's lipstick on the paper that she just gave her to the lipstick she wiped from julian's cheek earlier at the carnival when she couldn't get him out of the car right mm-hmm. and when he got out of the car she wiped his cheek and said oh there was lipstick on your cheek and he made up a flimsy excuse about it mm-hmm. and uh he lied like he he's a liar he's a liar every, every time julian comes onto the screen my skin begins to crawl yeah he is slimy. S- slimy is he's the exact slimy. word. He's a slug. Slimy is the exact Ugh. word. Yeah. He is in no way suave. He thinks he is, but yeah. he's not. He's so gross. Yeah, he's so slimy. So she compares the two lipsticks, which the Suzanne also was like, oh, do you like it? Because uh, yeah. Ivy said, oh, this is an interesting shade. And she said, oh, do you like it? I make it myself. I blend it together myself. It's three different shades, blah, blah, blah. So that even... Even more is just, like, really digging Suzanne in a hole. Yeah,
1: they've gone out and explicitly said, this is a color that won't exist, you know, unless I've made it. And then they compare, she compares the two samples and they match. And they
0: match. And then Ivy, after she looks and realizes realizes that these two lipsticks match, walks over to her desk where we remember her gun is. (laughs) And pulls out her tiny
1: gun. And she says... Better a widow than the wife of an
0: unfaithful husband. Yep. So she's on her way to kill Julian and Suzanne, probably, yeah. because we see a fl- we also see a flashback where she's yelling at him and saying, "If I ever catch you being unfaithful to me again, I will kill you." Right. And she was very she, serious. Yeah, that was a real threat. Mm-hmm.
1: That was a real threat. So she's
0: she's slowly walking up the spiral staircase with her.
1: Little tiny little gun.
0: gun. I forgot to look up what size we thought I it was. I think it was a twenty-two. I was looked it? it up. Okay, because mm-hmm. that's like a twenty-two, up. like handgun or whatever. Yeah, revolver. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. It's a little. It yeah, it's a tiny gun. People, it's like the
1: size of if you if you make a handgun like with your thumb and and your pointer finger. It, it's even finger, smaller than it's that. Smaller than that, unless you have little hands. We have big hands. Yeah, we have big monster hands. Beautiful, elegant hands. Whatever. Um, okay, so we should probably talk. A little bit about the kids who, up to this point, have kind of been boring. Take so, it away. So let's just quickly get through it because they're still kind of boring. Kay and Simone go to this little cafe, probably called the Sandwich Shop. I don't actually <laughs> know. And she and Kay is talking about how she's gonna have a night of passion with Miguel. Simone tells her not to rush in anything, and we don't really care. Is yeah, she's still
0: talking about this project, Naked Man, Naked Man. Or whatever she calls it? Yeah, Project Naked Man, I think. Operation Naked Man. I don't
1: know. Mr. Harmony. Mr. Harmony Harmony contest contest that
0: she has like engineered to get a date with Miguel. Miguel. It's so weird.
1: So they're talking, and then Miguel shows up with Whitney at the shop, and they decide to sit separately. And then Jessica kind of pops her head around the corner. This girl doesn't have any friends. (laughs) No. Jessica doesn't have any friends. All she she does is stalk her sister and like irritate her. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. Whatever. So Jessica promises not to tell Miguel that her sister has a crush. And then Kay threatens to cut off all of Jessica's hair. And then we get into this back and forth. And Simona's is like, what is y'all's problem? Like, why are you always fighting with each other? Why is it so catty between you? And then Jessica tells a story about how Kay, when she was, <laughs> like, I, I guess a little I, younger, yeah. ratted her out <laughs> for subscribing to a Leonardo DiCaprio of the Month poster. <laughs> Which is amazing, yeah, amazing. And then tells like this other story about like a, a, costume party that wasn't a costume party. So she showed up in a costume and it was lame. And she she showed up dressed as a boat. She said, I believe. Uh, and t- <laughs> and, how do you dress and, like a boat? And oh, because the Titanic. Because she's obsessed with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, Decapria. and
0: they told her. Yeah, I think she says she drove dressed up as Titanic, and she <laughs> as, as a Titan. <laughs> and So, and Kay had told her that it was an all-girls party, but there were boys there, and she was dressed like an idiot. Like, yeah, well, you probably should have dressed like a boat anyway. And you should probably make friends and not just, like, follow your
1: sister around. Yeah. I don't know. Eh, whatever. So, basically, that happened. They're trying to build the story about these characters that we don't really care about right now. But then they say something about a beeper. Going right. off, and but, I don't remember this. So,
0: earlier in the show, they were setting up at the carnival. I, this had to be, like, episode two or three. Mm-hmm. When Kay started... Not Kay. Jessica started threatening Kay about, I'm going to tell Miguel. And mm-hmm. she says, well, what What do you want? What will keep you quiet. And she's like, well, I, I'll take your beeper. And so, Jessica takes Kay's brand new beeper. But we had just found out in that moment, too... That someone mysterious had texted, not texted, paged, paged, <laughs> had paged, <laughs> um, just the beeper, Kay, had yeah, K, on her beeper, but just And Jessica I, had I, and the I guess it was one of those pagers that you could send actual messages on. You remember like two-way pagers? It doesn't look like one though.
1: Yeah, uh, we but, never had a pager or a beeper or anything, so I've
0: mm-hmm. I've only ever seen them on like TV. I've never seen them in real life. But apparently. Someone, a mysterious guy, had paged her, and I, I, and the only way I can imagine she knows it's a guy is that they sent her a message. She says it's a uh, yeah. Someone sent her a, like a mysterious like yeah, they kind say, of I like you message. Yeah, they call it the mysterious boyfriend. Yeah, and w- I'm pretty sure that the mysterious boyfriend is this random guy who shows up <laughs> at this shop. He walks up. Reese. He has he has a. Stack of books. And he's good looking. He's this good guy. looking, but they put on stupid glasses yeah, to try they, and make him look. He's not good, good looking. looking, and to make him look like a dork, to make it clear to us that this guy's a dork, they gave him a stack of books, glasses, and parted his hair in the middle. <laughs> he looks like a real point. And he had on a green, like Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. And the height of fashion. And he kind of trips and spills a little bit of something. Oh. And Kay's like, watch out, Reese. You, it's a good thing you didn't spill anything on me. And she's kind of being a bitch to him. And Simone says, like, chill out, girl. And yeah. Kay says, why should I? And she's like, have you forgotten that Reese is Miguel's really good friend? And then, to, <laughs> to prove to us, because we have never seen Reese. We've never heard of Reese. We don't know anything about Reese. But to prove to us that Reese and Miguel are very, very good friends, they show Reese turning to Miguel and saying, oh, hey, Miguel. Hey, Reese. And then Reese leaves. We just interacted the whole scene. They're very That's good, it. but they're very good friends.
1: Very best, The best of friends. Yeah. Should we do it again? Hey, Miguel. Hi, Reese. <laughs> That's it. End scene. He leaves. Exit Reese. Exit Reese. Per- Exits pursued by Bear. Yeah.
0: So do we have to say anything else about these kids? Because we need to finish. No. We, need I, to
1: I, move to we don't care about these kids. We should talk a little bit about Luis and Pilar. Okay. So Luis is concerned... No. Pilar is concerned for Mrs. Crane, who is Ivy, and Luis tells her that everyone who knows anything knows that Julian fools around on Ivy, that Ethan is going to be just like his dad, and that Pilar needs to cool her jets, and she needs to take a break. She shouldn't be working as hard for the Cranes, this horrible family, as she is working. Um, but even though he's not happy about it, he drops her off at the mansion because Pilar insists on going because she has a bad feeling that something's going on. Yeah. Uh, And so Pilar actually shows up and interrupts Ivy on the warpath with a gun in the stairwell on her way to kill her husband and his mistress. Um, So at the very, at the very last moment, um, Pilar comes in and kind of saves Julian from from getting murdered. (laughs)
0: Right. And he doesn't even know it. And he doesn't even know it. Yeah. And... I wish she hadn't. Julian, I wish Ugh. we could have seen Ivy kill Julian. Yeah, but I can't wait to see Julian's demise. Okay. <laughs> Girl, okay. it's a soap opera. The, the the villains never get theirs. Oh, that's true. Because then the story ends. The villains, rarely do they really get any kind of consequence. Oh, Yeah. Well, no. He does own because the Because they whole constantly, town. they constantly, you constantly need that villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are you're gonna be waiting for a while to, for Julian to really get any kind of you you're never gonna get any resolution. Nothing that's satisfactory. <sighs> I don't think. All I mean, right. it's been a long time since I saw this, so maybe I'm wrong, but generally in any soap opera I've ever watched, generally like Stefano Demera never, you he never know what gets I mean? what's his he never gets his get. Ugh. That's so annoying. so even though he's dead now, but he oh. that actor died. Oh
1: yeah. Well, we did meet another villain too. We found out that that Frenchman, the mysterious Frenchman that Jean-Luc works for, he, oh. he's another villain and we found out his name is Roger.
0: Roger. Roger. Roger.
1: Ferrero Roger. Roger. That's
0: what <laughs> <laughs> It's
1: one of my favorite candies. Oh, they're so good. Hazelnut? Mm.
0: mm, so good. Um, so yeah, let's go. Let's go talk about Sheridan. Yeah, let's, let's get back to it. So Sheridan, as you remember from Earlier in this episode, Sheridan found out that Jean-Luc has been two-timing her with Mimi. Mm-hmm. She's getting out of there. She's getting out of Dodge. She comes out. She says, where are my keys? Yeah. And she's going to leave. She has a bad packed and she throws the ring at Jean-Luc. Good yeah. for
1: her. Good for her. She's throwing a
0: backbone. Good for her. So Jean-Luc says to Mimi, while Sheridan's trying to pack up all her shit, he says, y- you probably what you did now? Look at what you did. Roger's gonna kill me. yeah I, I, the only reason I was doing this was because marrying her was gonna give me press and put me in to the public eye so he would not be able to kill me. Mm-hmm. If I'm in the public if I'm in the public eye it will keep me safe. So that's what he thought would happen. I don't I personally don't think that's what's gonna ha- would have happened. No, anyway. that wouldn't have happened. He's, but
1: Jean Luc is an idiot. He got involved as a drug smuggler thinking that he could just get out by marrying a rich woman.
0: Yeah, and Mimi, then she seems really concerned, because I think she really does love him, you know. Yeah, I don't know why. She seems really, really concerned about it, She and almost apologetic. Yeah. So, whatever. Anyway, Sheridan blows through the living room past them, says, where are my keys? I'm getting out of here. She goes to the car. Then we find out that that hitman, who had that ridiculous bomb, has planted it under Sheridan's car. Yeah, that's right. And he says to his boss, it's connected to the ignition, and when the car starts, kaboom, it's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. Well, Sheridan's trying to get the car started, and it won't start. It's stalling. Won't okay. go. And Jean-Luc is trying to plead with her through the window, pleading with her.
1: Please she- give me a second chance. Take me back. We have to get back together. The car won't start
0: because it's a sign that we should be together. And it's like it's a sign that it's been tampered with. Yeah. Anyway, she starts the car it the start car does actually start eventually, but no explosion. We do hear we do hear some beeping. I I saw and I mean I heard some beeping, like beep, 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 beep as soon as it started. But I don't know that she heard that. I didn't even hear it. I, well, I did. You are better hearing than I do. I guess so.
1: I'm not good at listening.
0: So the car didn't explode, <laughs> and now Sheridan's on the road with a bomb in her car. Who knows what'll yeah. happen? And she, poor thing, she's like, I am Sheridan Crane, and I will not cry. She She's a bit she, of a mess. And it's funny, because we've been saying how weak she is, and she explicitly said to us, she was talking to me and Laura specifically, I am strong. She said yeah, it. But strength is... Is allowing yourself
1: to feel the emotions even if they're not pleasant ones. Yeah, you know you what allowed I mean? like, you're allowed to cry. You should cry. You should cry when the man that you're engaged to and thought you loved turns out to be a two timing asshole. Yeah, who's using who's you using for your you. money. Connection. So, Roger doesn't kill him. So, Ferrer Roger doesn't kill
0: him. Yeah, he, she, whatever. Yeah, I don't, Sheridan. I kind of feel bad for her, but I also still have such negative feelings about her.
1: Yeah, I mean, we need to see a lot more growth from Sheridan.
0: Yeah.
1: We need to see more. But um, well, that I, I, takes us to the
0: end of the episode, I yeah, think. Yeah, ha- and we didn't get any Grace stuff. We didn't get yeah. any Tabitha stuff. We didn't get any stuff with the Russells. Which, hopefully, we'll see some more of them soon. Especially Grace. Oh, we got... We're, we're like, two weeks into the show and we've already
1: got a twin. There's paranormal activity. We gotta get back to it. We gotta get back to it. Although, this was a great episode. I really enjoyed this episode. I did, too. These past couple ones have been fun. Yeah.
0: So... That's, that's that's about all it folks.
1: make sure that you follow us rate subscribe on your podcast platform of choice mm-hmm. if you have apple please give us a five-star rating apple specifically helps us reach an audience if we get five-star ratings so if you're listening there please help us
0: out follow yep. us on facebook and instagram at passions Podcasts. yep If you want to watch Passions along with us, you can find the links to the YouTube channels that we watch Passions on in the description below. Make sure you follow those channels, too.
1: Don't just watch it. Subscribe. Subscribe to them. And send us an email. Do you think the bucket of fish heads and guts will fall on Ethan? Do you think it will fall on Gwen? Or will it fall on Roy? (laughs) Or will it fall on Roy? Send us an email at passionspodcast at At gmail.com. And with that... You are my passion for
0: life.